land of the free and the home of the brave. America 101. Welcome to this, which is the first of our sequence of podcasts on America in the 1920s. We're going to cover quite a lot of ground in this, uh, covering economic and social history. But to start with, I wanted just to run through what America is like, how it actually physically works, the organization of it. The first thing to remember is that America is a federal system. It is one country made up of lots of individual states. In the 1920s, there are 48. Nowadays, there's 50. But in the 1920s, there's only 48. Each of the states is a different geographical area, and each of them have their own government. Their own governor, who's the executive, the person who actually carries out the day-to-day business of government. Their own legislature, their own Congress or House of Representatives. That's their equivalent of a small parliament. They're the lawmakers, the people that actually pass the laws. And their own judiciary, their own judges and court system. One of the key things to remember about America is that it is democratic to a fault. Everyone and everything is elected. Judges have to run for election. Sheriffs and police chiefs have to run for election. The people who run local school boards have to run for election. So there is a an element of democratic accountability at every level of society. Perhaps more important there is a level of campaigning in every public office. That means everybody involved in every level of government at a state or national level is always trying to reach voters, is trying to secure their next term, their next crack of the whip, their next go at the job. And that means that there is sometimes an element of pandering, by which I mean there's an element of trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator. Popularity contests, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. So, you have each of the individual 48 states, and then, sitting over the top of that, you have the federal government, which is based in Washington, D.C., and that is the one that makes the decisions for the United States of America as a whole. There is, obviously, a conflict, a tension, if you like, between those rights that should belong to a state, so the decisions that a state can make for itself, and those rights that should belong to the overall federal government, decisions that are made for the country overall. And that's one of those tensions that you will find running as a thread through American politics. It's not something that we're going to get into great detail in, in the 10 years or so that we're looking at, but it's something just to be aware of that in certain cases there are laws that apply in some states, but not in others. So, the American government is formed of three parts, the executive, the judiciary, and the legislature. And just like at the state level, they fulfill the same functions. So, the judiciary is the judges, is the courts. They interpret the law. They decide if the law has been broken. The Supreme Court, which is the nine most important judges in America, 
decide whether any law which is passed by the legislature and is enforced by the president is in line with the constitution. Now, the constitution is a difficult idea for people living in Britain to get their heads around because we don't have a written constitution. We do things because that's the way they've always been done. America is different. America has a written instruction manual for how the country should be run. This is how votes should be counted. This is how the government should be made up. These are the kind of laws you can pass and these are the kind of laws that you can't. And that means that it is very clear what the government is allowed to do and what the government is not allowed to do. And so any law which is passed by the government can be checked against the Constitution by the Supreme Court. And if they decide that a law is unconstitutional, that is, it goes against the idea of the Constitution, they can strike it down. Now, who passes these laws? Well, that's the legislature. And the equivalent of that in this country is the Houses of Parliament. And just as we have two Houses of Parliament, so does America have two houses in their legislature. And together they're called Congress. The lower house is called the House of Representatives and the upper house is called the Senate. Representatives are elected very much like MPs in this country to districts, uh, constituencies formed of a certain number of voters. There are senators from each state, two senators from each state giving an even number of senators in the event of a tie break that is decided by the vice president and that brings us on to the executive but just before i talk about them for a law to be passed it must go through congress so it must go through the house of representatives and then it must be ratified by the senate and then it has to pass to the executive which is the president and the vice president the vice president has no clearly defined constitutional role. The president, on the other hand, is the executive. He is the head of state and the head of government, and he is the one who is supposed to carry the laws out. He's the one who's supposed to implement the laws as put forward by Congress. No law comes into effect until it is signed by the president. I'm using the word he very advisedly, I am recording this podcast on November the 9th, 2016, and the first ever nominee for President of the United States who was a woman was defeated yesterday. So as of the date of this recording, there has never been a female President of the United States. They've all been men. They've all had a number of other things in common as well, but we'll narrow it down and we'll have a look at the President's who are in power during the 1920s. There are two main political parties in America, the Republicans and the Democrats. The Republicans are what we would call right-wing. They believe in small government, they believe in personal responsibility, they believe in low taxes, they believe in trickle-down economics, so if businesses are doing well, people further down the chain will do well. The Democrats are what we would call left-wing. They believe in social security nets. They believe in society acting as a whole to protect each other. They believe in larger government. They believe in taxes being raised and being spent on the population. In the 1920s, 
most of the presidents are Republican. Now, the reason I'm saying most is at the very, very beginning, Woodrow Wilson is still in power. And he is running for election in 1920. And he is defeated by Warren G. Harding. Warren G. Harding, remember, of course, is the man who coined the term normalcy. He wanted a return to normalcy after the First World War. What does the word mean? Nobody knew, but it sounds good. It sounds like something you want. We want to return to normalcy. Normalcy is good. Normalcy is comforting. We like it. We want normalcy. And, of course, Warren G. Harding wins. Warren G. Harding is, of course, incompetent. He's a womanizer. He's a heavy drinker. He spends most of his time with his mistresses. He has no political experience, and he has very little in the way of political capital to draw on, so he sticks most of his friends into positions of power, and they are about as competent as he is. He is pretty disastrous. Fortunately for the country, unfortunately for Warren G. Harding, he dies in 1923, and he is replaced by his vice president, Calvin Coolidge. And Coolidge is going to be the president right up until 1929, when he is replaced by Herbert Hoover. Coolidge doesn't do a lot. You can hear I'm struggling to find something to say about him because he really doesn't do very much at all. He does very little. He takes the concept of laissez-faire to its extremes. He insisted on 12 hours sleep and an afternoon nap every day. He strongly believed that the best government was one that interfered the least in the lives of its citizens. And he achieved that quite significantly by doing as little as humanly possible. And he's replaced, as I say, in 1929 by Herbert Hoover. All of these men, Harding, Coolidge and Hoover, are Protestant, white and Republican. And they are the people who will drive the economic policy of America in the 1920s. They will also drive the social policy. And that's something to remember when we start looking at women when we look at prohibition and when we look at race relations and possibly most importantly when we start looking at immigration and the quota act and all the various other bits and pieces so there you have it that's the basic overview of america that's the context the one final thing i would say is this and it's not political as much as it is demographic america is a nation of immigrants. We will talk more in a later podcast about immigration and the experience of immigrants. But at this point, it is worth remembering that the United States of America is an exceptionally young country. The American Declaration of Independence, the War of Independence, when they threw off the control of Britain, was in 1777. So by the 1920s, this country is less than 200 years old and many of the states have only recently joined it is within living memory that they fought a civil war when the south seceded from the usa so the country is very new and it is formed of people who have come from all over the world 
there are a large number of people of German descent. There are a large number of people of Scandinavian descent. There are French Canadians. There are African Americans. There are Hispanics and Latinos. There are the Chinese on the West Coast. America is a nation of immigrants. And that is something that is worth remembering. This old immigration, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, that's something that's worth remembering when we come to have a look at how they deal with immigration from other areas at the dawn of the 20th century. So take all of that information, file it away, and use it to help you make sense of all of the things we're going to have a look at in the next few episodes. Thank you very much for listening. Good luck in your exams.